What is up, everyone? Welcome to Legit Cool, my podcast where I talk all things movies. And joining me today, once again, the big dog himself, Nathan Sammy. Yo, River, what's up, bro? <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome oh, back. thanks. Thanks for having me. It's you're just to, like a regular guest. Now. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to be a guest anymore. You're probably just going to be a, a usual be your, resident. Your, co- yeah. your co-host. Um, co-host uh, there's, yeah. a, there's another podcast I listen to, and it's a, it's a duo. They always say, <laughs> one of the guys says, I'm uh, one third of our duo, because I do none of the work. <laughs> just rocks up. I'm, wow. I'm very happy to be that. Um, until you monetize this thing, then I might have to pull. True, to true. I mean, like in. once we get more listeners behind this, um, and everybody starts to, I guess, all the sponsors jump on the bandwagon, and then want to <laughs> do something with us, and then yeah, we can probably think about quitting our full time jobs and <laughs> doing the podcast full time. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd the be, world that'd is our so oyster. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, we're getting with the program. We're uh, <laughs> evolving, some would say. Evolving, just like evolving. the Matrix trilogy. Yeah, yeah, into yeah, something super woke and stuff. What? <laughs> what? 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 Oh my god. Um, and of course, my name is River Villy, and this is my podcast, Legit Cool, where I talk all things movies, and we review, we recap, we rank, and share our thoughts, share our ideas, what we think worked, what we think didn't work. And today we are going to be doing The Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> uh, are you excited about this? Look, <laughs> um, got a lot of thoughts. I do feel like if we stay on this too long, we might become, uh, yeah, just maybe a bit bitter and um, yeah. burnt out. Just like exactly. the coffee we hate. <laughs> yeah, I think it's better that we just jog through this this movie. Um, yeah. We'll do our usual thing where we recap, we go through all the major segments of the film, and we try and critique and analyze the best way we can and be as fair as possible <clears throat> by giving you guys, the listeners, a really good observation on the film itself. Mm-hmm. Now, um, just uh, first impressions, because um, we like to do first impressions, just... Mm-hmm. Give me your bite-sized first impressions on for the sure. Film. I'm going to go spoiler-free for the bit. I feel like, uh, especially for this movie, I might start with spoiler-free, if that works for you. That way, any yeah, listeners okay. that we'll might want that. to watch it yeah, we'll, can we'll do go some and watch it after our spoiler-freeze. Um, yeah, let's do This will be good practice for us, because <laughs> 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 I think if we want to keep doing this for longer, we'll, we'll have to get good at doing spoiler-free <laughs> reviews. Yeah, I think there's definitely some movies that warrant um, like full-on spoilers, like mm-hmm. Spider-Man: No Way Home. Mm-hmm. I think for the majority of the time, we want to do some spoiler-free segments at the beginning, for, for sure. So go ahead. All right, bite-sized. I was not thoroughly disappointed. Uh, there was some things I really enjoyed in to this film. Uh, I would say with this film, the bits that were best were when there was nice nods to the past. And some really good things that had evolved because the movie looked forward into its future, into a different time to the original Matrix trilogy, and specifically the original Matrix. I uh, I think there was some really uh, strong showing from our dear friend Keanu as well, and I just I really enjoy him. It is really fascinating when. Uh, 
an actor is so lovable and someone that you just really want to see succeed, that that actually does bring strength to strength to the movie that you're watching. Uh, you definitely don't want to show up to something because of an actor, but I think when an actor really um, cares about a role, you feel it. And I really felt that for Keanu in this. Uh, yeah, and after that, yeah, I just, I guess I, I really struggled with the pacing. I definitely had issues with the plot, and I enjoyed coming mean? back. What do you mean issues with the plot? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but there was there was something nice in returning to the world and the the setting of the Matrix. Yeah. So maybe maybe the fanboy in me uh, helped a lot, but mm. if that that's a reason, we'll we'll get into that when we get into spoiler territory. Well, you sound really uh, generous <laughs> with your first impressions. <laughs> well, yeah, those are my first impressions. I have second, third, fourth, fifth impressions. <laughs> we'll uh, get into. I'm I'm actually not going to hide behind my first impressions. I I really really hated this movie. <laughs> I'm just going to say it straight up, and you know we're probably going to drop a bunch of listeners here just from. Um, <laughs> we don't want those listeners. <laughs> yeah. um, but trust me, you know, all like, of you. Sit, sit in because I will say some things that I think worked in this movie, and some th- there's there's definitely some nuggets where I enjoyed, but the vast majority of the film, it's it's really hard to watch. I've struggled to watch it from beginning to end. Um, it just was all over the place. Tonally, just didn't make any sense. Like. Um, the tone is definitely lost compared to what we see in the Matrix trilogy, especially in the first one. Um, uh, it's <laughs> it felt like the like Lana just didn't really know what what direction she wanted to take. Um, the movie feels really confused. It feels really muddled. Um, mm. The characters are just kind of meh. But I mean, I guess with the Matrix trilogy, the characters are always a little bit meh. Like, I, I don't think the power is in the characters themselves. I think the power is in the storytelling. Yeah. Um, but then when you have a movie where the storytelling is terrible, the action choreography, the direction is terrible, the editing is just jarring to, to watch. Um, and then you have also characters that are just meh. It's just the whole thing is a big slop (laughs) Um, so that's kind of my first impressions it's so unfortunate because I I wanted this movie to be really good and I wanted this movie to um, soar in the same maybe not the same but similar heights to the first 1999 Matrix film like that movie just it shook the earth for cinema it broke a lot of um, conventions and storytelling, I think. Yeah. It broke... It, it really redefined the sci-fi genre. Um, it brought... You know, it, it was sort of really like... really strong anime uh, culture to the, yeah, the West as well. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, movie is so pivotal in so many ways to film. So many ways, yeah. It impacted so many different parts of the industry and how we see film and how we think about film. Mm. Um, and... I wasn't really expecting Matrix Resurrections to do something similar, but at least still follow in the same vein that the Matrix established, right? Mm. But the tricky thing that uh, this movie has to try and do, like it has to try and really lift um, uh, from... uh, I guess it has to do a lot of heavy lifting considering where the Matrix trilogy left off, right? Yeah. 
and and I think we should we should definitely get into like when we start to recap this this movie, we should definitely get into where did the Matrix trilogy finish off? Where were the characters when we left, yep. and how did we get into this? Which is part of the issue <laughs> that I have with this with this movie, um, where we left off and and why we're here now. Which yeah. is could, could I quickly crazy. ask as well? Um, I think people are pretty good at placing both you and I with uh, where we stand on Marvel. Um, how many times just, have you watched? Just going to quickly, like, embarrassingly close my door because it's really loud. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with my own question to myself. How many times uh, have I watched The Matrix, the entire oh, trilogy, like like uh, and, and engage with uh, other, other aspects of uh, The Matrix uh, as a whole, as a franchise? Mm. Um, for myself, an uncountable number of times I've watched The Matrix, uh, and then... Um, Ballpark, what's the number? Ballpark. 20, 30. Oh, man. When 40, did it come out? 1999, yeah. <clears throat> I'd have to say I've at least watched this movie over 20 times. Easily. The first Easy. Matrix. Easily. I can't even... But I could definitely say I could have watched it 50 times. It's true. It's a I mean, really for, for, rewatchable. <laughs> for me, I, I watch it without fail every year. Oh I yeah, could easily, be, easily. I could be watching it like twice in in, in a year. It could be, but yep. at, at bare minimum, it's once every year. Like since yep. the movie came out, guaranteed. So and how many? Years? <laughs> uh, since nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Well, that's what twenty two years. Yeah, yeah. twenty two years. I mean, I've definitely watched it way more than that, though. <laughs> yeah, and then and then um, uh, Matrix uh, Reloaded and and Revolution. <clears throat> I've at least come back to two a lot more than three, partly because I've. I found the second half of three a bit slower, but I would come back to two and three for concepts, stories, and fights, um, and fight choreography. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, I'd, yeah. I'd sometimes wouldn't mind uh, sitting out on some bad CGI to enjoy some good fights. And actually, mm. I think the last time I watched a bit of Matrix 2, which I, I did just jump through, I was watching it with, with River. He was at my place, and we were just having a nice little late night drinking whiskey and watching movie <laughs> fight scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we it's yeah just we so just enjoy the Agent Smith fight uh, the part the se- the first Agent Smith fight in um, yeah. in number two and the courtyard yeah. and the courtyard and we watched the the ghosts and uh, Dude, the, um, I, the mansion I, I, I lost Man. my mind when I saw that in the cinema I was like oh my gosh this is like <laughs> this is like the birthday Crazy. cake Matrix fight that we've always wanted to see that <laughs> they were missing in the first film yeah. the first film like you know when, when you look at when you really analyze the first film there's actually not a lot of fighting compared no, to matrix reloaded because because the first one was is more about establishing the world yep. establishing who the savior of the world is going to be mm-hmm. and how they're going to take over the machine world essentially that's like and that's beautiful it's a great piece of storytelling yeah, and then the second one was more about okay we're comfortable in the matrix we have a bit more control over what we can do yeah and we can like you know well, we can do superman shit again to, to liken it to liken it to another wonderful sci-fi trilogy, Star Wars 4 and Matrix have a very strong sense of here's the, the, the starting of the hero's journey, here's the, yeah. the, the concept, here's what's at stake, who's, here's the villain, here's the protagonist and his gang. But then when you get to uh, The Empire Strikes Back and you get to Matrix 2, you're like, mm. here is him established in his world, here is them uh, on, on Hoth, here is him learning to be a Jedi, here is him now in control uh, with some semblance of an idea of who they are, but not fully 
fulfilled their goals. And right. I think that that yeah that that kind of helped with two and three being really heavy on some um, more breaking into well what's at stake here. Uh, mm-hmm. One sets the stakes, <clears throat> but two and three really say well um, let's look at the bigger picture. Uh, yeah. yeah, and um, and my other question then outside of oh sorry, well River two and three, how much how much two and three have you watched? Do you watch the trilogy or just watch Matrix One? I usually watch the entire trilogy. It, it does get a little bit hard to watch uh, Revolutions because <sighs> it gets so it, it gets so bogged down on its own mm. um, exposition. That whole movie is super exposition heavy <laughs> um but like not in a good sense uh there is you get you get a glimpse of that in the first film like i do mm-hmm. have some issues with the first film like especially when they're in the construct um yep. which in this movie they're calling the crib holy shit <laughs> i cannot believe what they've done to wreck on this this franchise anyway um yeah like they in the, in the construct of the first film i do have a little bit of an issue with the way they take us through that piece of exposition um i I think they could have chopped up a a few things there but then um so we do get a glimpse of that in the first one and going into the third one there's just so much expositional dialogue it's it's kind of it's really hard to keep focus and then when they when they get a little bit bored from that they move into these crazy grandiose action set pieces (laughs) that i'm like oh like i i love the fact that you can take the concept of the matrix and manipulate it mold it to whatever you think the characters are going through mm. but it gets it gets a little bit i'd say too self-indulgent i think when mm. matrix revolutions come around um mm-hmm. the action and the choreography it's it's still nice to watch and i still think they they filmed it really nice but um it gets a bit too kind of too much you know that last scene yeah. where they're in the city and it turns into Dragon Ball Z or some kind of anime, like um, sci-fi type thing. It's yeah. it's fun, I guess, but it just goes on way too long. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. it, it should have been chopped like half of it or whatever. But I know that's like the climactic uh, moment that he has between himself and Agent Smith. But yeah, it gets way too self-indulgent, I think, and well think- done on. Two, two and three also have that, that they are in the peak Hollywood uncanny valley time for CGI. It's true. And yeah. so I find um, that's just a hard time to, to go back to. The rewatchability of, of, of fight scenes, maybe not movies in that time, but the fight scenes in that time, definitely they definitely age movies in a way which is um, tricky, tricky to, yeah. to, to come back to. Exactly. Um, and, and then... Uh, on the other side, Enter the Matrix and Animatrix. Have yeah. you had much following with those two as well? I I watched the Animatrix when it first came out, but I yep. just remembered thinking to myself, I really don't like watching anime that much. So <laughs> I was a bit, I was too distracted to see beyond animation itself. Okay, yeah, um, yep. and not really focus on the story or the yep. characters. So I, I I literally can't remember anything from the Animatrix at all. Um, <laughs> either of the Renaissance parts. Nope. Oh, okay, cool. Because right. I, I only watched that one time, yeah. and then I haven't revisited. But I Wait, should just, probably do it now. It, I think you'd really get a kick out of it. And if nothing else, just watch Renaissance Part 1 and 2, because it tells the story of how the Matrix, in its current form, i.e. entering into 1999 Matrix, right. how, how that um, came to be. And then it follows a few stories of people breaking the Matrix. And I think mm. it follows at least one story of another The One, 
Um, but it also follows one of the characters that you see immediately in Matrix uh, Reloaded uh, oh. when they get to Zion, who's one of the, oh, the young it, kid. Um, um, oh, okay. And he he's um, he's the bold kid who's like um, Neo kind of yeah he's, he's he, nothing towards, but he's like you help get me out, and you you actually find uh, which the I very beginning is, of his story, which is him getting called by Neo to get out of the Matrix, and it's right, him which is school. the end of the Matrix, right? It's the end of the first one. I'm, yeah, I, I, I sort of presume that that kid is the one oh, that he's yep. he's talking to at the end of Matrix. Remember? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, get, I actually yeah. only picked that up recently when uh, I started watching it again. I was like, wait what significance does this kid have and why is he even in this film and then when he talks about how you saved me i'm i'm assuming it's it's very like oh you mean the kid at the oracle's place no um remember at the end before before neo goes flying into the sky and we find out that he can fly now in the matrix yeah and he's in um, martin place in sydney yeah yeah exactly martin place um he's just outside diggy deuce (laughs) yeah yeah That's so funny. Paulie's there in the background waving. <laughs> yeah, we should get him to listen to the podcast. We would give him a shout out. Um, Love you, Paulie. No, like he's 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 uh before he does the fly thing. Remember, it goes back to the beginning of the film where it's got the code, and then he's talking to someone. He says, "I, I know you're scared. I know you're afraid." Um, and then he's basically doing the same thing that Trinity does and to him. Morpheus I does guess. to him. Or yeah. Mor- sorry, Morpheus does to him. Um, and so that doesn't really get connected until we get to Matrix Reloaded, and I'm presuming it's that kid that says, you freed me. I'm assuming that's the kid that he's talking to at the end of the Matrix. That would make it's, sense, yeah. It's very vague, and, and, and that's just only my interpretation, because like it, we, they don't intentionally connect those dots, but you just kind of have to go, oh, I guess that's the kid that he was talking to at the end of the first Matrix. Yeah. I only picked I, that up when I was watching Reloaded recently. I was like, oh... Is this why the kid's in the film? Because <laughs> like he, he has no real purpose in, in Matrix Reloaded, right? Like other yeah, than being no. a fanboy. This, and uh, yeah, I think uh, in in Matrix Reloaded, yeah, there's that. I think in Resurrect in um, Revolutions, oh, these are named titles. Uh, <laughs> in Revolutions, he's there involved in the war at Zion. But like, yeah. Mm. Uh, so I, I do have a pretty deep, like, little like. I love anime and, and I really enjoyed the many different art styles in Animatrix. So I, I got a nice little following for that, but like it, it had a very dreamlike quality um, mm. a, as a whole, the Animatrix, and I really enjoyed that trippy element to it. Oh, yeah. I love that. Well, but before then, we get a little bit lost into yeah, all of this, into all of our, talk, but now you guys like, know that we are proper Matrix, Matrix nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really love the franchise. We love everything that... <clears throat> That the Wachowskis had done to this whole thing, but um, why don't we just get into recapping this? Let me just uh, take you take us through the plot and some of the details that make it or that kind of make it successful or being on the road to success. But we'll see how that's going to pan out in the next few weeks. So, mm-hmm. the Matrix Resurrections is the fourth installment uh, to the franchise. It's not a trilogy anymore; it's a quadrilogy. I think is what people call it. Um, and the movie goes something along the lines of to find out, uh, found out if his reality is a physical or mental construct. Mr. Anderson, aka Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that it's a choice. While an illusion is still the only way out or into the Matrix. Uh, I, <laughs> it's already sounding confusing for people. I think that plot. <laughs> Neo already knows what to do what he has to do but 
What he doesn't yet know is the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. Uh, this movie is directed by Lana Wachowski, produced by James McTeague, Lana Wachowski, Grant Hill. This came out on December 22nd worldwide, ex- excluding Australia and New Zealand, because <laughs> it actually came out on Boxing Day here in Australia and New Zealand. Um, it has a runtime of 2 hours and 28 minutes, distributed by Warner Brothers, and starring Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss. Okay. Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, Jonathan Groff, Jessica Henwick, Neil Patrick Harris, or people like to call him NPH, uh, <laughs> Jada Pinkett-Smith. I actually totally missed that Jada Pinkett-Smith was in this. Yeah, She's in the trailer, right? But I actually totally forgot that she's in this film. And then she shows up as like a homeless person. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Christina Ricci, Lambert so Wilson, bad. and Max Raitmelt. There's a bunch of other actors here as well, but let's not go through the entire cast. Um, this uh, this movie had a budget of 190 million dollars, and has been up five days, and has currently made 66 million seven hundred worldwide. Mm. So I think it's doing okay in mm. five days. Uh, it's not incredible numbers and in fact some of the cinemas are not really packed out because i think a lot of the reviews are really hurting this film um this movie's currently 65 percent on on the positive rotten tomato meter for the critics and it's 63 percent, so a couple of points below um on the audience score so i think the consensus is generally positive but when you look into the negative reviews they are really really negative they're not even sort of middle of the road so there seems yeah. to be a massive divide in this i think i can understand why <laughs> um but uh let's go ahead and start recapping this film i have this really cool uh, sound bite right here That sound right there is is kind of what gives me chills every time, right? And and when this when this sound actually came on in the beginning for this film, I was ready. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so great to revisit this franchise." Um, I even love like the logo is still the same, you know, with the yeah. Warner Brothers like Matrix yeah. Matrix code logo, the rainfall, the rainfall, and just the code coming on the screen is just so mm. iconic now. And so we get into this film um, <laughs> by revisiting the first Matrix. <laughs> how did you? How did you take this first scene? By the way, like yeah. this was this was the whole reenactment, and there's a bunch of exposition that happens in this first scene, right? And the exposition yeah. I think is good because they're trying to they're trying to set up the audience to make us think or start to interpret that um, the Matrix is layered now like there's there's a lot more layers to the matrix itself mm. um how, how did you take this first scene it's it's a reenactment of the first one and it's a different <laughs> person that's playing trinity it's a different yep. person that's playing yep. uh the agents agent smith has been played by yaha mateen abdul the second the second <laughs> um but then obviously there's a, there's something that happens a little bit later to his character yep. <laughs> how did yep. you what were you like thinking when this scene happened? Yeah, yeah. It was a reaction of the first. From any film I come into, uh, there's a sense of um, 
displacement that I, I love entering any film where I'm not sure where I am and what's going on. And particularly if you're returning to a world, I love trying to get my grips on the bearings of where, where we are. And particularly with The Matrix, and the first movie, again, does this so well, you're not sure where reality <coughs> begins, where dreams end, mm. and um, that real quality, it takes time to, to open up. So right from the get-go through for a good, decent part of this, I was very excited for that hook where I finally understood where I was. So I was just ready in this scene. I was like... Yep, just throw whatever at me. And I think there was a point where I audibly gasped once Trinity is getting... the of This actor Trinity is getting taken out by the agents. And she's on the roof getting beaten up. And I'm like, this doesn't happen. And then Bugs, um, the... What's her? What's the actor's name? Jessica? Uh, Jessica Henwick. Henwick says, this doesn't happen. This isn't how it went. And I'm like, yes! And so I was really excited. And, and I thought that as she is narrating what I'm thinking, mm. I was like, yeah, I'm all for this. And so I, I was really excited in that first scene. I was like, what on earth is going on? Yes, mm. let's do this. So mm. um, that, that was me right at the beginning. <laughs> I, I think I, I was feeling the same thing. But the thing that I was thrown off, um, because this is, the first, this is the first piece of like action that we get, and I was totally thrown off by the way they shot the action. Oh, See, yes. Like just... <laughs> Just when um, she stands up and then she starts doing the same things, or not, it's actually not the exact same things, no, which different. I guess is the point of this. Um, she's just beating up the agents coming through or, or the SWAT team. So instead yep. of the police, um, you know, the first movie was like the police guard that goes in, and this time it's like SWAT that go in. Yep. And when she's handling the SWAT team, um, with her fight scenes or whatever, or her fight choreography, it looks real. It looked really terrible. I was like, "Yeah, is this supposed <laughs> to?" I, I was sort of thinking to myself, "Is this supposed to be a parody?" I thought it was like, "Is this more realist? Like, is this them being more? This is how it actually go? Like, if you yeah, get like this, it, or if you run on a wall, you're not actually going to run that high, or something. right?" Yeah, <laughs> it just seemed it just looked really cheap, and I was like, "Oh, please don't tell me the action looks like this through the entire film." And then, unfortunately, <laughs> it looks like this through the entire film. The but anyway, I, film. I tried. It's to... all right though because it was so close cut and quickly edited that you didn't get to see much of the bad fighting. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's a part of the problem. It was like everything was so close up, and I couldn't see anything going on. Um, anyway, anyway, so like I try to see past it, and I'm trying to focus on what bugs is trying to tell us you know what what is bugs um experiencing in this moment and what are we supposed to be interpreting as uh viewers and then i was like okay so they're in some kind of oh they're in the matrix but they're looking at old code in the matrix and we don't actually find out later that it's some kind of what does he call it the modal part the modal yeah so he's (laughs) if i'm understanding this right this is neo's created game Mm. also called binary and with all the matrix i wasn't sure if binary was his new game that he was working on but the modal was forms of his code and characters within his code that he had um written (laughs) right and they followed the same story as him and we'll get to this later because i actually really appreciate the concept i just don't think they stuck the landing on it Mm. but we'll get to that yeah yeah it's true the the way that i was trying to like uh, the way I understood the how the modal is working in this particular part, it's like some kind of hidden program within the matrix using old code 
and and then they have to use the back doors, which is great to see the back doors again. Awesome, yeah. Um, have, they have to use the back doors to go in and out of different programs or something like that. Um, but the thing I didn't understand was like, how did Jessica Henwick get into the modal? <laughs> I didn't quite understand how her character made it into that. Yeah. And I don't think they explain that in the entire movie. Um, unless, did you pick up on that? Did you sort of pick up on the fact, like, how did she get into this then? Yeah, so the way I kind of saw it, and let's take... <laughs> this might be really helpful for both of us, mm. is whenever we take uh, a way to understand this movie, we reference and explain it through the old movies. <laughs> mm. yeah. So what I understood of this... There was her and her ship getting near to where Neo is, but they still didn't know where his body was. This is in the real world. Right. And they had entered in to an area that they normally can't access in the core matrix. Right. They're in a separate place. And this is what I felt for the whole movie. I was trying I was trying to understand is Neo and Trinity, they're set in a separate place, in a separate loop, away from the rest of humanity. Mm. and Bugs and her crew had invaded into that space. They had found themselves, not just in that space, but they had actually found themselves in the game that he had made in that space. And his game, in a way, is very similar to what, is it called The Cradle in the original Matrix, where, for our listeners, where Morpheus first explains to Neo what The Matrix is and is sitting in his red chairs, the construct, yeah. Yeah. And, um, And it is in this place... That Bugs finds herself and is thoroughly confused because she's seeing the histories of humanity mm. and the initial <clears throat> beginnings of the Matrix. So she is she hasn't found Neo yet, but she's found a clue as to hang on, this is all of Neo's history. Why is it in this video game within this world? Maybe mm. this is actually where Neo is being kept. That's what I thought at the right. beginning. Yeah. And then they found a way to hack into it uh, the same hack- way that they normally yeah. do. And and part of that programming in his video game is a half-Agent Smith, half-Morpheus character mm-hmm. played by... Could you repeat the actor's name again? <laughs> um, Yaha Badin. Yaha. Uh, I forgot now. We'll just call him Abdul Yaha. Um, yeah. Which she finds Yaha, and Yaha is built into that program, but he, like Agent Smith in the original movies, mm-hmm. has kind of become self-aware... And so he's found backdoors in Neo's video game. And so the two of them connect through that. And then she helps him out of that. Yeah. And so now the two of them are on a chase to find Neo. Yeah. That's what I that's that's what I understood from that's the beginning. That's a really good of way of um, explaining that. <laughs> you know, it'd be really nice if the movie explained that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I was able to, I think, piece that together. Yeah. And I, I think when I... Uh, after so River and I watched this at the same time but in different places we were messaging afterwards and I said are we smarter coming out of that movie or dumber (laughs) and maybe you were smart enough to understand what they were trying to say but they didn't explain it very well (laughs) no no so we might get it wrong but we might also have misinterpreted it because they weren't good communicators (laughs) no I think I think that's exactly what Lana was intending the audience to interpret and I, I get what they're trying to do in the scene, um, mm. and I and I get Morpheus's character or Morpheus slash like Smith. Like you can kind of pick it up um, right off the bat when we get introduced, or when they're having this dialogue in mm. Neo's old apartment. And, and he's an agent. <laughs> yeah, he's like an agent, but he's not really an agent. But then it yeah, turns out I really out, dug that. I was super excited for that. I was like, yeah, I'm here for that. That's cool. Mm, mm. Um, and it turns out he's actually 
I can't remember the name of this. Like when I think you're right. Modal is the word. No, no. Like uh, his character himself. So Morpheus, he's actually a something. There's a name that they give these new type of oh, characters yeah, yeah. in this. I wrote, wrote it down before. I just wrote new robots because I forgot the name. But I think it was yeah. something like starts with S. Yeah, I want to say like symbiotes, but that's. Not I was right. going to say symbiotes too. Uh, let's just be Marvel. Marvel. Let's just call, them, just call symbiote. them symbiotes. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's we supposed call to him, be. We could call them Eternals. <laughs> he's supposed to be this character that can go in and out of the real world and the Matrix, mm. um, and so hence why he can probably take on different characters, I suppose, because we find out later that there is a proper Agent Smith in here. But I, I'm just going to call all these rehashed characters as discount versions of the original characters yeah we're we're just doing references again through the trilogy we know and love so well yeah um yep so this whole scene is within this thing called the modal and um it's it's supposed to be a rehash of the first film or the intro of the first film so that that this is when the whole meta concept starts to really evolve uh throughout especially throughout the film this is like our introduction to where they're taking this meta storytelling and you know what like this whole scene it's 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 getting us to revisit the intro of the first one but it just felt so cheap and and i was willing to hang on there because i know i know that that lana is trying to take us into this whole meta piece of storytelling and get us to um, revisit the matrix in sort of a breaking the fourth war type thing yeah. so i wanted to hang in there but i just it just right at the beginning i had such a bad taste in my mouth um i was like i i don't understand why you would try and retcon even though you're not really retconning like the intention is, is to not really retcon but then on the other hand it's kind of retconning anyway <laughs> mm. um the first the intro of the first one and now it just looks really cheap with a bunch of actors that don't look like they know how to fight. The agents look are like terrible shooters now. All of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, agents yeah. like not, can't shoot anybody at all. Um, intimidating. They're not intimidating. They're not threatening like the original agents. You should run on sight from one agent. That's the rule. Yeah. Man. Like exactly, you should run on sight. And you should be terrified. And and this is where it just starts to like slowly. Um, get me to disconnect to the world but especially the world they're trying to establish in this fourth film is that like they they spent so much time establishing great villains in the first film and Mm. even in the trilogy and yet here we're trying it's it's their attempt of taking us out of the matrix but putting us into it but by giving us a parody and saying that it's like it's it's somewhat reconning it's really kind of disappointing anyway (laughs) um so we we get through that scene right they jump through the ground and they they're going they've gone back into what we believe is either the matrix or gone back into the real world that's bugs and this half agent smith half morpheus character Mm. and then let's call him morpheus for now let's call him yeah we'll call him (laughs) yeah um and then we get into the matrix um and the way that they've created the matrix now which is the machine world has a new version of the matrix which i guess it's matrix 7 i believe yeah um yeah. which i'm still unsure about I, I know right. most well most people are saying it is matrix 7 but then well, what were the machines doing in the 60 years then not have a matrix yeah. at all <laughs> well i feel yeah so um, I, I i i had a sense maybe don't worry too much about it like that there's been yeah. 60 years that have passed and i feel like 
you could believe they would have... And this is where my, my headcanon for the movie was, they've really taken Neo and uh, Trinity out of their core Matrix program. So that's still ticking over elsewhere, but these two are in their separate program that they'll intermittently refresh. <laughs> Control yeah. R, you know? Um, and they've also put Agent Smith in there too, you know, like those three are just trapped in this separate program. Um, that's what I thought, but maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) No. And and that's where it gets a little bit weird when we find out Agent Smith later. I mean, I'm jumping ahead here, but Agent Smith is not really the Agent Smith that we, we know and love (laughs) from the previous (laughs) Um, but anyway, we're in this scene, right? where we get introduced to Neo's character. He's back to being Thomas Anderson in the Matrix, and mm. now he's this game developer for the Matrix trilogy. And this is when the war start to fall down, and we find out this whole thing has just been uh, a, a meta-commentary on creating the Matrix, and he's the mm. person that's created this game called the Matrix trilogy. And they go so far in the whole meta-concept, like even to the point of mentioning... I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but I, I just no, have to mention it. it. They mention the fact that it's their parent company, Warner Brothers. Yeah, and they've been told to make Matrix 4. <laughs> oh my gosh. At, at that point, like that particular line, I, I checked out. I was like, yeah. Really? No, yeah. No, <laughs> no, I was boy, like, like... I was I was ready to give them one more chance. I was like, let's see where they go. Okay, well, when I say I checked out, I just checked out on the fact that like... I think the story is just going to fall to pieces yep. like straight away because I didn't like <laughs> they, they set us oh, up. I will get to that. <laughs> they set us up in this really strange parody of the first matrix and trying to make mm. us think, right? Trying to make us think that this is going to be some kind of meta storytelling, which it is. And then as soon as they mentioned Warner brothers has told us to make a fourth one, I was like, wow, you're just going to take the piss out of the people that just funded this whole thing? And Warner <laughs> Brothers is going to let you guys get away with this? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Just, uh, you know, watch out, because Warner Brothers will just pay for some trailer studio to put together some really good trailers and some really bad trailers oh of your God, average yeah. movie. You know? uh, I was like, no way they're actually going to do this. And then, they, and of course they do this, and this whole first sequence is almost identical to the first sequence in... The first movie, you know, like he's back yep. in the office, he goes yep. to his boss and his boss in the first movie tells him off for being late. But in, in this case, he goes to the boss. Uh, what's his name in the film? Um, uh, I actually just I, call him Agent Smith. Because he, he is a, actually Agent <laughs> yeah, Smith. Yeah, I just call him Agent Smith. I, um, um, I was like, I don't have time to learn your name and you didn't impress upon oh, me your name. I guess we don't even have his name. We don't know his name, maybe, mm. in the film. He's because just his business partner. His business partner, yeah, because his name in the credits for like IMDb is Smith. So oh, it is, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he's his business partner, and like they have this chat about how um, we need to do another game. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we need to do another game because the parent company Warner Brothers. Oh, so cringe. The parent company <laughs> Warner Brothers has asked us to do a fourth game, i.e., mm. the fourth movie. So they're making the fourth film. They've established like what the narrative is going to be. The narrative is going to be that we're making a fourth film because they've asked us to make a fourth film. But what they fail to do is tell us what the fourth film is about, mm. which is this is where the meta sort of goes back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> it's like yeah. they're trying to tell us that they're making the fourth film because they've asked us to make the fourth film. And then the fourth film that we're watching as viewers is the fourth film that they're yeah. making, which is it's so like <clears throat> well, I'm, it's- I'm all for. I'm all for meta storytelling, yeah, but yeah. 
if if you <laughs> if you're gonna do meta storytelling, do it well. Don't yep. don't be lazy and say to us that we're gonna make this film that you don't really know about yep. <laughs> because have, have we don't concept. know anything about. Like, have a concept. We don't know anything yeah. about this fourth film, so we're just gonna attempt to make a fourth film. Yeah, on it's the like they're film. expecting the. <laughs> Expecting the audience to write the story. It's like, guys, do you know what we should tell as a story? <laughs> that's like, exactly, yeah. That's what, and that's that exactly whole what I was scene, I was just getting more and more... Fr- like, the montage, I love one part in it. I dislike the rest of it. I love sad Keanu Reeves. I'm all there for watching him being moody yeah. and crying and, like, <laughs> staring out the, uh, out the window while drinking espresso from Tiny Cups. Like, I'm... <laughs> I'm all there for those were acne cups, right? They're totally acne cups. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Represent New Zealand. Uh, But at the same time, um, like just that woke ass, oh, what do people talk about when they talk about the Matrix? And they literally maybe opened up a Reddit feed on the Matrix one. That was like ticked off everything in the zeitgeist about, um, you know, political control and. Yeah. are you talking about the, the boardroom, right? When they're doing yeah, the when they're all like just stuff. spitballing about what the yeah. Matrix Four will be. One of the things you know, which because <laughs> I'm all about this river, is what movie should they have made if they could have? And I'm I'm assuming they just couldn't get Hugo Weaving back, but maybe he had conflict schedule. Um, uh, I think that was schedule. the case. I think I saw an oh, interview. Yeah, I, well, I saw an interview. Um, <clears throat> For Hugo Weaving's recent films, because he's been filming a lot of Australian films. Yeah. Um, he's doing I a think, lot more Broadway. Oh, I'm sorry, theatre as well. Yeah, theatre too, yeah. And mm. I think it's just you know, scheduling issues, like they couldn't get him back or something like that. But mm. um, I found out that they didn't want Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne back. They didn't want him back? Mm. Yeah, because he's, he said in an interview, like he never got called about Matrix 4. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, wow. holy, wow. What's up with that? You know what they would be cool? They, um, and if, if you're going to do a little bit of um, switching, like, again, it's like <laughs> having Finn, the black stormtrooper, as the protagonist of Force right. Awakens. Yeah, yeah. I love having Morph- Morpheus as the agent agent who is a program now. Mm. Um, but you know, it'd be cool. Bring Lawrence Fishburne back, but he's now the Oracle or something. You know, something like that. Like, that's do what something I thought they clever might like do. that. No, yeah. you sound too clever. They don't want you. But I, um, <laughs> I you know, it would have been cool. Like, if. Uh, <clears throat> If uh, Hugo Weaving had come back and reprised his role as Agent Smith, him and Neo and Trinity are all stuck in this one program, mm-hmm. and and Neo and Agent Smith are chummy business partners developing right. a game. I would have loved that, and you know, like have the first like third of the movie be the two of them just being you know balling around talking about their business going and having coffee and things just being off for the two of them and they're not sure why they're friends and they're at, at the same time they hate each other no, you know what man you're, you're i your should be writing storytelling is just way too intelligent they don't want that. <laughs> instead they want they want to make a movie of a movie that they're making a movie of that's exactly yep. what they're doing <laughs> it's um and you know what we've just been to spidey we've just had a great deal of good fan service oh yeah done well great Great, callbacks exactly great amounts and to then come to this i think it is the most unfortunate time for this movie to exist um yeah it's so crazy (laughs) so you know after that scene um uh we we get to the point where he's now with the analyst because him and his business partner or his business partner smith Ask him, have you been re- visiting your psychiatrist? Do you say psychiatrist or your psych or whatever? I um, think he calls him his analyst as his a result, analyst. which is, I think, what, what 
uh, NPH is named in this, but he's I think he calls him an analyst. Yep. Which is funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so he says, oh, yeah, I have been going. And then it switches to a scene where he is sitting with the analyst, NPH, and they're talking. He's just, it's just basically a psych uh, session with him. Ask him mm-hmm. how are you dealing with your your memories or your dreams or whatever. Like, and he's trying to um, do what he would normally do as a support uh, psychiatrist, I suppose. But mm-hmm. this whole scene is really about how the programs have managed to find a particular program called the Analyst to keep him in the Matrix Controlled. and keep him control. And then um, he's also providing him with the blue pills. And I guess at that point, I was like, oh, right. I suppose this whole thing is still the Matrix, but the programs are trying to get him to believe that he is the creator of this game called the Matrix Trilogy, which is a compilation of all his memories that he actually went through. (laughs) Which is really clever. It's super clever. All there for that concept. I'm like, yep, why would... Like, for Neo, he's freaking out. Why do I have all these ideas in my mind? Mm. But if he's the guy who has all these ideas in his mind, he puts them into his his game, and NPH says that's like, you know, you've created too much of yourself into this game that you have, Mm. and so you don't know where dreams end and reality begins, you don't know who you are, and all of this stuff seems real. And I'm like, that's a really clever loop Mm. for Neo to be stuck in, because he can't escape that, because everyone can just... Yeah, gaslight him and say, you're crazy, man. Like, that's just mm. your game. You're just, you're just thinking about your game too much. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's actually a really cool concept. And I love the fact that it could have been something that they evolve and develop throughout the movie. But the problem is that okay. they stuck, excuse me, they stuck with this idea of um, it's, it, it, it's you creating the fourth, well, you have to create the fourth film uh, through this yep. fourth game that has been instructions from the parent company or whatever they stuck way too close to that and instead of yeah. developing a meta story about him being stuck in this loop of a game because that would have been cool but they i would have loved to see him play his game you know like that would have been hilarious like yeah instead he's like he's just zoned out on his couch all night playing the matrix game <laughs> yeah, mm. that would be cool <laughs> yeah so it's um it's a little strange, but um, I, I dig the fact that they wanted to do this concept, but they just kind of left it there. They, they introduced yep. us to that concept, and they left it literally in that um, boardroom. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. So we get to the boardroom part, and, and it's a bunch of uh, creatives, like marketing, and <laughs> and uh, I guess right. it's like the marketing team, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, they must be like the mix between the marketing team and those like a bunch of like, like people that all work at Google. People. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like throwing these different ideas um, about like, oh, what what is the Matrix and and what could the or what could the fourth game be about? And they're just rehashing a bunch of things that existed within the Matrix, and they start giving us a little bit of that nostalgia. And we do see some of those scenes, right? Because as they're talking about it, we see some of those scenes which to them is the game or whatever. Um, but this is this is where it gets really... This is where the um, they actually start to pull apart and shit on their own franchise. Um, but I know they're trying to make us think it's like all, all meta. When when these guys are talking about... Uh, the, you know, the, the big the bigger guy who's who seems to be like the leader of the marketing group. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. J- the guy Jude? that takes him... Is his name yeah, Jude? I think it's Jude. Yeah. yeah, he takes him to the cafe, but... 
this he has a line where he says oh and bullet time and he starts to like reenact bullet time i was uh, like yeah. i was like there's no such thing as bullet time dude like this <laughs> like bullet time is just something that the creators spoke about outside of the film but there's no like in the matrix there's no such thing as bullet time like they mm. only dodged the bullets because they could but they don't. They don't call it bullet time. Like <laughs> I thought that was a. I thought that was a video game reference because uh, you oh, have that maybe. in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, like you have I think it's in the um, Path of Neo or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's in it's in a lot of different things. But then in most recent gaming like history, like a lot of <clears> games <throat> nowadays, like there's always that kind of stuff in in gaming now where it's like yeah, those slow motion badass moments where you can like look super cool because everything's in slow motion, but your senses are heightened and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it was so weird how they literally mentioned bullet time, and I'm like, yeah, that's like, like come on. They never actually <laughs> mentioned bullet time in the entire Matrix movies or the trilogy. It seems so weird, and yeah. that's when the meta concept just kind of fell flat for me. I was like, yep, okay, I, I think agree. I think that that scene really just it just really ends it. It does, and like following from that scene, it does stop after that. It stops trying mm. to be as meta, but. Um, Again, it's like if you want to jump into metaness, you yeah. need to say less. You need to do more. <laughs> yeah, you need it. You know, you you need to show, and 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 with, yeah. Again, if that's the concept of Matrix Four, if you want to create um, an <clears throat> evolution to the story that you're telling, you need to be just really sharp with everything you show. You need to be really smart with what you're going to say. And um, and there needs to be some coherency. So, like we already said, there's technically two Agent Smiths that we see. One of them's half Morpheus, half Agent Smith. One of them's actual Agent Smith, but is not quite Agent Smith. And then you also have flashbacks to the original Agent Smith. and So all of these like little bits where it's starting to become too... Too much. <laughs> yeah. uh, too yeah. many different things. It becomes so messy and muddy that you don't know why you care about this thing. And for something to work well with, like, in a meta way, you want it to have a thesis behind it. I just don't feel like there was a thesis to this movie. No, no. And this is where it gets... Um, like, This is where the direction gets really confusing. Mm. Or at least like I think the director feel, looks <laughs> confused about where she wants to take this film. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually just like picking up some of the pieces that they do in this like boardroom, uh, ideas exercise or, um, ideas planning. They, <laughs> they're, they're actually kind of trash talking the trailer <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. They're trash talking all of the concepts from Matrix. The concept, like three. they talk about mindless action in the film. Yeah. Um, that's what the, the Jude guy says. It's like, they don't want all of that ideas stuff anymore they want mindless <laughs> violence you know like uh, that's what video games are all about yeah <laughs> it's like that's just you're just shitting on your own franchise man i don't know yeah. why you want to do that anyway so <laughs> <laughs> maybe that is maybe that's lana that maybe that's all lana wanted to do she just wanted to do a big screw you to warner brothers but also do that by ruining yeah. her own story and franchise <laughs> 
I, I, I think she just checked out. I, I think she was just really forced or coerced into doing this fourth film because, yeah. you know, the fans have been talking about doing a fourth Matrix for so long. And, um, and the, the drops, the hints have been around for a few years now too. Yeah. Both for us and Keanu. He must be so sick of it. Oh, yeah. They, they, exp- oh. they literally just spell it out word for word that um, it's been too long. And it's been yep. like 60 years. <laughs> yeah. But for us, it's been so, like, oh, how many years? Oh, just, 20 years. Well, just over 20 years from the last the film was just under 20 years. 2002 and 2003. 2003. Because mm. those movies came out the same year, I think. Reloaded and Re- Revolutions. Like, yeah. Or if re- not a year and a half apart, but they filmed them at the same time. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. They, <clears> they wanted to do the releases with enough time so they make money. <laughs> true. Yeah. True, true. Um, so they finish planning and everything, and then Neo goes back to the cafe called Simulate. It's the most cringe name for a cafe. Simulate. It's Queens. way too on the nose. I don't understand <laughs> the choices here. This is San Fran, right? Or what looks like San Fran? What's I think that? It's San, San Francisco, right? San Fran, yeah. Based yeah. in San Fran. And b- before it was based in Sydney. But, but yep. Matrix 7 has to be San Francisco now. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then there's like right, a fire we got, alarm. We got the good. We got the good movie. So <laughs> we got the good movie exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> and then like in the office, there's a fire alarm that goes off, and there's some kind of evacuation drill going on. And, we, and of course, this is when the um, the main actors, or let's say the heroes to to Neo, um, fly in. Not fly in, but they break through the Matrix program and get into as an attempt to try and rescue Neo here free him they use text message they use text message yeah (laughs) i am i was i was here for this scene and i think like uh starting with morpheus in the bathroom the 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 elements to which um the let's call it the swarm the swarmed matrix coded (laughs) npcs that all come in and start trying to attack morpheus and neo Mm. i um and I, I, actually, forgive me, because I think I'm going to start calling one scene one scene when it's actually two or three scenes split up with long long bits of exposition in between. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I felt like it was this one scene where Morpheus comes in, and he's in the bathroom, he offers him the pills, and then it's like, let's go through the window, the window get oh, the mirror, the mirror gets mm. smashed. But then them going to Tokyo, was that one scene, or did that... Was there? A, I feel like there was a break there, and they had a long exposition. There was actually one scene. <laughs> Oh, it was one scene, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. there for the Tokyo scene. Man, it felt like Train to Busan, and I was like, yeah, I'm there for the blood. <laughs> Train to like, Busan, yeah, it's a bunch uh, of, like, instead of the zombies, you have bots now. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so funny. But that um, was cool. I was like, that that's fun. Do more of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if the action was a bit more believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bit more um, like there were stakes. You know, the way we see Morpheus here in the scene, when he comes out of the cubicle, um... I still don't understand why he's coming out of a cubicle, but whatever. <laughs> Comes out of a cubicle. Dude, you don't need to pee, you're a robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he says to Neo, and he, with the exact same line that he repeats that Morpheus says to him when he meets Neo for the first time in the first movie, he says, at last. And like when he said that, I was like, that is so damn corny. And then he chuckles. And he said, oh, that I was oh, doing a, I wasn't, not, I wasn't too sure about the callback. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> like, even the programs themselves are doing the whole meta concept thing as Dude, well. 
they've already, what, they've all played this game. Like, they've all played the game. It's very successful in their universe. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't understand that. Like anyway, and he says like not not every day you meet your maker, and Neo's like freaking out. He's like, nah, this can't be happening right now. And Neo's kind of getting this existential crisis moment, mm. and he's like, no, 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 no. This this cannot be real. This like the world that I live right now is the real world. It's not the matrix. And yet this guy showed up. That's almost like the embodiment of the Morpheus character that I created in the matrix film. And he's telling me that you're living in a dream world, blah, blah. blah. And it's, it is kind of a whole rehash of the first film. Um, but now it's like fourth wall breaking meta concept. Um, and Morpheus is like saying, no, this is the real world. I mean, sorry, this is, real as in like this conversation we're having is real and i'm a real thing so i'm i'm here to save you and get you out of this and <laughs> he puts out his hand right and he says look yeah. look he doesn't say feel my hand but he's saying that i am real yeah and then he this is why i don't understand he, he goes to touch him to try and make him believe that i am real yeah i'm like well well you're actually not real you're a program that can go in between the real world and the matrix <laughs> if you want to show him that this is real, let him put his hand through you. I thought his hand was going to go through him. It's like, see, none of this is real. Yeah, yeah. But then he ends up oh. being real in that instance. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just completely confused now on, on how they're taking this concept. And, and this is where yeah. I start to think that they really don't know where they're taking this movie. They really no. don't know what kind of direction they want to take this. Well, can I say that the, the second and almost all of the third act mm. of this movie is then, once is out of the Matrix, just trying to free Trinity. And I was like, that... So so now it's just a... Re- I was like, oh, this is just becoming a rescue mission movie. Yeah. Instead of... Neo instead of the meta-concept, yeah. the new Zion called Io. Like, I thought all of that stuff... <laughs> I'd laughed was actually going to Io. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this going to be something bigger? Like, is there is there something to be done? And really, it's like, no, no, we've just found Neo and Trinity, and they're stuck in this new loop in the Matrix. Like, mm. they're, they're, like ultimately, not much has changed as a result of this movie. That if if uh, the resolutions and uh, <laughs> its kind of final core premise was uh, that the source connects Neo back into the Matrix yeah. in order to save humanity and to form a better relationship between mm. humans and robots. That succeeded, and this movie says so with the new symbiotes that now work in harmony with this new new um, colony of, of humans on Io. And I'm like, oh, what do you want to do? Like, what, what? What's the point? What's <laughs> what is the, the point, point of there? all of this? Like, yeah, and t- tell is me it now just to free movie. these two again? Like, I, yeah, it was... Pff- but yeah, don't yeah, don't turn this into a really long and convoluted. Let's help Trinity escape. Yeah, the whole because uh, like all these different things that they're trying to tell us that they're wanting to do ended up going nowhere. And then yeah. like exactly what you were saying, the last half of the film was about saving Trinity. Mm. <laughs> I was like, why didn't you just make the movie about saving Trinity in the first place? Then, yeah. or why don't you just stick to the meta concept in the first place instead of like introducing us to all these different meta layers, and then going, oh, by the way, we're just going to leave that in the corner now, and we're not mm. going to say anything about it anymore, mm. and then carry on to that. Um, so, and then this is when the action, the slow mo action parts start to come back the same way that we saw in the Matrix trilogy, and 
then Morpheus starts to run on the walls, like on the cubicles, and mm-hmm. a lot of slow-mo happening. And I'm sort of looking at this going, this looks like cheap TV series. <laughs> like, the, what is going on here? Like, how? Yep. why did they decide to film the action slow-mo pieces like this? Yeah. I, I was just so There's no shocked. point, like, it's just, um, <laughs> if you do slow-mo, you've got to make sure your set pieces look good, and you've got to have good action direction like Good action direction. Yeah, i feel like they just well. got some random person from youtube or something to, to <laughs> choreograph <laughs> all of this and not a good not a good youtube choreographer a bad yeah, one true true a bad one a bad one like, i shouldn't <laughs> bag on like youtube as a whole but um it just it looks so damn cheap like there's a shot yeah. where morpheus is running on a cubicle and the camera goes pretty close to his face and i'm like what is this like magnum or something you know magnum the tv show <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh yeah it's a, it's a very old like tv show it's not very good but um <laughs> but just the way it shot the cinematography looked really cheap yep. and the slow-mo looked cheap like yep. for a second i thought they were using high frame rate cameras or something like that um you know 48 fps or something yeah as opposed to 24 it's like 48 um anyway i thought they were using high frame rate cameras and using high frame rate cameras make the films look really cheap uh just because there's way too many frames um developing on screen yeah. i kind of thought that was happening for a moment but i was like nah this this doesn't look like high frame rate but it's it's almost got that cheap tv series quality to it yep yeah, yeah it looks like, like it looks like they're like all right that bullet there we need to make that look like it's going fast so just put rings around it you know? yeah <laughs> it looked really budget dude and it looked like like somebody was playing with their iphone um boomerang effect way too much or something <laughs> Oh man! Anyway, it's so just they, they pause the movie and suddenly it just says shot on an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shot on iPhone thirteen. <laughs> so they have that whole thing, and and Neo runs out of the bathroom, and Morpheus runs out of it, and there's a bunch of explosions that happen, and Neo's like flying in mid air, and it looks really bad the way he's flying in the air because of that yeah. um explosion it's like it's almost like the physics don't really quite work as well i mean i shouldn't be talking about physics inside matrix well but you know, yeah. the way let's talk about neo and neo and flying in this movie <laughs> <laughs> but the explosion happens but he he sort of awkwardly like uh you know he awkwardly like flies away from the explosion in a different direction when you see the explosions going a little bit more left than he goes to the right i'm like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why they did that. And then this whole thing is like, um, there's this whole kind of office action piece where there's a bit of a gunshot, uh, a gunfight between Morpheus, um, Smith, or the boss, <clears throat> and Neo. And well, Neo's just trying to like dodge everything because he doesn't have any guns himself. Um, mm. And this whole thing is just a mess. It's like there's so much slow mo, but the slow mo is terrible and. There's just no way that we're going to get out of this messy action sequence. And then there's a little bit of rehash of the last scene in Matrix Revolutions where um, in that scene it's raining, but here it's it's the sprinklers that are going off. And then Smith yells Mr. Anderson the same way that Smith does in Matrix Revolutions. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is literally not going to get any better, right? It's just going to get worse. <laughs> it- it definitely didn't leave me with a good feeling. <laughs> I, yeah, we went to a late screening too, and I was nodding off a bit between bits. Like, I just... Oh, ooh. I can understand why you would. It, like, and again, though, like, and so, 
like the pace of this this movie then becomes the other problematic part. So mm. if you look at the original Matrix, you have this beautiful. Let's let's you know let's jump into stuff that everyone's already heard a million times before about the <laughs> Matrix, but uh, the beautiful uh, story uh, beats of wake up mm. and wake up becoming a theme for Neo between yep. waking up in his room to being in the office to being um, out at the club mm. and then being back in his room uh, and then different unveilings for him, better revelation to who he is and where he is and mm. what the Matrix is yeah. and where he stands in all of that. Yeah. And this movie flip-flops on that because it doesn't have anything new to say for him to be revealed to. Mm. Only, uh, and again, maybe this was the thesis of this was... Do you actually have any control? Do you actually have any freedom? We already know what you're going to choose. Mm. Which is something that both the villains and the good guys say to him. Um, and, and and again, I was like, you know what you're showing me? Is that Keanu Reeves doesn't actually have... Or Neo doesn't actually have any agency in this film. Mm-hmm. Everything is already predetermined. And none of nothing that he does will surprise you at all. Because you know what he's going to do. And we're going to tell you. Um, yeah. obviously you're going to go and try to save Trinity. Obviously the bad guys are going to try and stop you. Like every single one of those moments, I didn't feel like any decision that ended up like coming out of, yeah, out of his mouth was surprising. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really uh, comprehend why Warner brothers would have like greenlit something like this. Yeah, and of, of course everyone's going to say, "Oh, yeah," but you know they're looking; they always want to make money. It's like, well, that's a given, man. Studios yeah. are always wanting to make money, but it's and in you their don't best want to make interest. fast money. You want to make good money. You want to make good money. It's in their best interest to make good films. It's not in their best interest to make terrible films. Like mm. this, to me, is like a desperation. Like they're acting out of desperation because a lot of their films recently haven't done so well, and especially when yeah. they're trying to compete against Marvel Studios. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they're directly trying to compete against Disney per se, but Marvel Studios is like the main competitor for them in regards to their comic book franchise or their comic book world. They're not doing yeah. very good in that department. So I guess, you know, there's an act of desperation that's, that probably thinks to themselves, let's revisit The Matrix. That was so successful. Um, let's let's bring back the fourth one. Let's hit up the Wachowskis. And not all the Wachowskis wanted to be a part of this. You know, the other sister didn't want to be a part of this anymore. Be involved, yeah, Lily was like, Yeah, Lily just wanted to do, to not be involved with this at all, which kind of tells yeah. me maybe both of them thought at the time that they were doing the trilogy that, you know, they only actually built one movie, right? They actually yeah. didn't have a trilogy in mind. They just wanted yeah. to do one film, but that film was so successful that Warner Brothers said, hey, why don't we make a two and a three, being yeah. the trilogy. I feel like the Wachowskis didn't really want to participate in the trilogy, and you can kind of see them getting tired in the third one particularly. Yeah. Um, and they were left to their own devices to try and think more broadly of expanding this concept. I think The Matrix itself was a big enough concept for them, and I felt like they were probably like losing or um, not having a lot of ideas to play on from that original concept because it was really hard. Like, How do you top something like The Matrix narratively, yeah. right? And if you create an apocalyptic future and you solve that apocalyptic future... It's not going to help very well to try and stay in that apocalyptic future <laughs> afterwards. What's new? Oh, we grew strawberry. 
Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I, and here's my Bugs, Bugs is a character, even sister. Bugs. It's like you're not doing anything. Like all you care about is growing strawberries. Strawberries, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, god that's not what this movie is about really even with like having Nairobi and Ni- Niobe? Niobe Niobe return to find her being jaded and an unbeliever to you know Neo and all that I was like oh it's like man it's like a proper representation well, of how this movie is everybody's tired I was like this movie just feels tired and bureaucratic <laughs> and like Neo's there like well alright cool shall I just go set up my old room now like <laughs> Um, it's like everybody like was being forced back into fight. their like old uh, offices or something, and nobody yeah. wanted to be there. Someone was like, "Oh, so someone's taking your old room." But uh, I, I read a list of uh, franchise fatigue movies that this felt like uh, Pirates Five. Oh god, <laughs> which was the uh, I, I never even watched we, Pirates we, Four, we but we went back the for Pirates, Pirates Five, like for Man, sure. Like, and and Matrix has a very similar. We've already talked about this. Matrix and the Black Pearl, phenomenal films that then birth trilogies Mm. where the second and third movies aren't as strong, but they have one cohesive storyline. And then like following from that Pirates 4 was blah and 5, there wasn't even any sword fighting in. It was a Pirates movie without sword fighting. That's what this felt like. (laughs) It was a Matrix movie without any good fight scenes, no good, no good car chases and very weak dialogue. Mm. No, like no memorable lines except for mm. lines that they'd regurgitated from the original movie verbatim on oh, purpose on purpose um, to make it as if it's meta <laughs> it, it, it also felt like ghostbusters 4 where oh my god where, I never where that. oh man uh wait where you'd have like you know a bunch of comedians in a line cracking improvised jokes that's what this movie kind of felt like at points where it's like now we just need like this set piece and i think one of the, I actually like sat up and got a little bit excited for here's some old friends and the Merovingian arrives. I was like, mm. oh, maybe we might get a mansion set piece scene. And I was like, no, nope, this is messy and choppy and I don't know who anyone is. No. Nope. And it's not instead very we well get lit. A, we, instead, we get a homeless person wrapped in a garbage bag. Yelling at them. <laughs> um, and then this also felt like The Force Awakens where it had this... and. To be fair, I freaking love The Force Awakens, but a derivative story where we try to raise the stakes by creating a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. It's a bigger Zion. It's a bigger, newer Matrix. It's got newer computers. The agents are already a part of it. Like, um, Neo's already trapped, even though he's already been set free. So it's like, it's similar to The Force Awakens where we just got a bigger Death Star. (laughs) Uh, and we've just rearranged what the three main trio do mm-hmm. it it's just um it's just that's tiring and boring and franchises never do as well when they don't know how to recreate things that yeah. are going to you know you, you don't reinvent the wheel but don't just come back and <laughs> I don't, don't, know, just, do, don't just come back and give us a trailer <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't come back and give us a trailer for sure. For sure. Um, these are like like a lot of what they're trying to, or I should say, a lot of what creators like Lana Wachowski and the it's actually not the same writers either, which I'm not surprised about because um, I don't think the writers wanted to come back to this because whatever they were pitching to Warner Brothers, they probably would have been a fly on the wall or maybe in a Zoom call with them and would have just been like, "No, nah, I'm good, man. I'll just." Uh, I'll happily hang my coat up on the original trilogy that I 
loved <laughs> and not be a part of this shithole. And yep. Yep. good thing they, they didn't be a part of this because, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, if they were a part of this, it probably would have been a better film. Bit but, yep. but this is where I see the biggest the root of the problem for this film is and like we were saying before they could have taken this film into a direction where it's just one focused film because this is not a very focused film they're trying to do so many different things that don't even finish anything um and then they turn the film into a completely different one by the end of it yeah. um yeah completely different film it's a completely it the yeah it's like it's two different films happening yeah. at the same time and like the ending that we get although i feel <laughs> a little bit more satisfied by the ending compared to the way that it started but i'm like well where's the first half of this ending <laughs> like yeah. where's where's that story um yeah. like what what did you think about trinity and carrie ann moss in this <clears throat> i think I think uh, Keanu Reeves and Karen Moss, I think they're great. They're awesome to see on screen. Their chemistry is great. The chemistry, chemistry is great. great. I can kind Maybe of because there's a lot of flashbacks of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can believe in their relationship. But um, I, I was never really caught up in the relationship in the trilogy. I, I didn't mm. care so much about their love story. I, I cared more about um, the concept of the Matrix itself. And I think this is where I differ on with a lot of Matrix fans. A lot of Matrix fans will say that the love story between Neo and Trinity is is great, and it's it's one of the more powerful things in the story. Whereas I would disagree in the sense that I think the love story is is kind of like a a necessary to have in any film. You have to have mm. some kind of romantic um, relationship on screen that that almost kind of grounds the story a bit. I'd say. And yep. it makes it a bit more relatable as viewers because, you know, us as human beings, we're involved in relationships. So we can kind of have an, an emotional connection to it. But I was more I was more taken aback by the story itself, the concept mm. of Matrix. And, you know, you're bringing up a lot of different themes, philosophical themes, existential themes and uh, questioning reality, all that type of stuff. Um, even themes about morality, I think, is also... Uh, a bit of commentary throughout the trilogy. So I mm. was more convinced of that and less about the uh, love story. But I think with Keanu Reeves and Karen Moss in this, like they were fine in it, but they were given terrible scripts. Yep. They were given really bad uh, arcs in this. And, and it just seemed like they were there to just cash in another check. I didn't feel like they were... They were there to be like, oh, I, I'm, I'm in it. You know, I, I feel like I can give my best performance. Like, their performance isn't bad, but it's not groundbreaking either. It's not inspiring. Yeah. Their performance, their characters are just kind of boring to watch a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they, they, they have no reason to be here, and they're just kind of like, hey, we got caught by Water Brothers, so let's just be here anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. well, let, let's say, like, let's talk about. Sorry to jump around a bit, but to talk about their final fight scene, which is. Carrie-Anne Moss on a motorbike, which I'd love to see more of, mm. but all she's doing is zooming through a street with Neo on the back, and you want to see Neo do his cool Matrixy stuff, but all he's doing is putting <laughs> out a force putting, field, putting out, putting his... out a little force field while zombie dead swarm <coughs> bots are falling from the sky, yeah. and 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 like that, just that sense, that lack of stakes, yeah, <laughs> in such a what's supposed to be a high octane scene. Oh man, oh, the scene was yeah. just like that motorbike scene is probably trying to wreck, maybe not wreck on, but rehash the motorbike scene in 
uh, Matrix Reloaded, and that yeah. that motor that motorbike scene or that whole chase sequence is riveting. Phenomenal! It is so damn good. It's also done like, during the day. <laughs> also done during the day. It's funny, like you know, when that whole night sequence came about. I remember you you talking about like. It came into my mind straight away. I was like, oh, yeah, Nathan was <laughs> Who's their little how? cheap night scene? This the cheap scene night scenes. Trying to CGI hide a budget. Bunch of shit. <laughs> and they did. You know, you were, they were hiding the CGI effects of like uh, bots falling off uh, out of the building and stuff and yeah. trying to be some kind of suicide bombing type thing. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so dead. And like them, it's the, the funny thing is like they're doing this whole chase sequence, but I'm thinking, where the hell are they going? Like, where are they running Yeah, yeah, to? what are they doing? <laughs> what have they got on their person that they need to... Like, yeah. you don't need phones anymore, you just need a mirror to exit, which I thought was dumb. Like, oh, like, man. Well, the, actually, this, this is where... Also, there's so many plot holes here. It's like... Yeah. Um, I didn't understand the rules anymore of how to get in yeah. and out of the Matrix because, like, yeah, they're using the, the mirrors to go into the Matrix, but then they, they can just, like, eject them from the Matrix now at any time. Yeah, but then in yeah. the times that they should have, they don't. You know, so like I, when they're having those fight sequences. I thought that um, her name's is it Santi. So I thought Santi, Santi, what she was trying to do was re-stitch Trinity's um, headpiece from the main Matrix core to her little ship. Yeah. So she's still connected in, mm. whilst Bugs enters into Trinity's body in that time. Just yeah, to make to, sure that just she's stable. Sure. Yeah, stable. And, and that's then why she's like going now they have her body secured. Trinity can still be in the Matrix and they're still connected or plugged in. Mm. But they've secured her human, her physical body. But then after that, like, oh no. Yeah. It, it, fall, it, just, it falls down. But it, it's also those, those moments in the film where it's like, we made a choice not because we wanted to show that we'd evolved, because it was e- but because it was easier. Mm. Oh, we don't have agents reappearing anymore because these are all bots. We can just take over their minds. We've just yeah. saved on having to create all these doubles of all of our. Uh, we just saved some money and some budget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, that's great. Oh, we don't want Neo learning to do any fight scenes, even though Keanu Reeves is him and Tom Holland. Are probably two of the best at putting their bodies on the line for films. True. Doing their own stuff. Don't wait. Well, don't waste. Don't waste Keanu. Don't have him putting his hands out and oh, putting man. up. And that's fields. all he like, does. And you know, you know, when they're in the dojo part, yeah, he literally says, oh, "I don't, I don't fight I don't anymore." Do that anymore. I'm like, what? The hell? <laughs> We've just seen you and John Wick, bro. Come on, man. Yeah, what do you mean you don't do this anymore? This is the whole reason why we love to watch The Matrix, so we can watch you fight, because your fighting is amazing to watch. And uh, now you're going to tell us that you're not going to fight at all, and instead you're just going to do the force? Not that we'd see anything with that cinematography. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's tiring. Can, um, I'm sorry, I was just trying to think. Are there other bits to pick oh, up? Actually, I, Oh, yeah, you go. <laughs> I actually want to talk about some of the things that I did kind of enjoy, though. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I feel like we're just being <laughs> bagging this whole movie the whole time. Because it's really hard to not bag this movie because it's yeah, quite yeah. bad. Um, the things that I actually really loved was when... Not loved. I'll say I liked. Love is a, is a strong word. I liked the fact that we go back into the real world. I really loved the look yep. of revisiting that feeling of a sci-fi film, you mm. know, um, and the the real world looks better, I guess, because we've got better effects and we've got yep. better looking um, technology, I suppose. Um, yep. And I, I just loved it. Like when we got back into the real world and now we're sort of faced with what the reality is 
of the real world, which is the Nemo Zion. There's this ion thing, which I completely laughed about. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you're gonna, you have a new like paradise called Ion? What the hell? Um, but I do, I do like the look and feel of going back into the real world. Um, mm. <clears throat> it just, it just does remind me of cool and really good sci-fi films. Mm. Um, and I, I guess I do like the concept of them getting away from Zion because Zion wa- uh, was already taken over by the machines or something like that. Mm. Um, is, that is that how it goes? I actually kind of remember how, like, how so they explain I what happened to Zion. They had a robot versus robot war. Oh, that's right. And it's there the first was time rem- that they've ever seen the machines have got the symbiotes. Yeah. I thought, like, and, and the, the, that sense of, like, evolution in the real world as the robotics improved and as that because you've always felt that tension that not all programs are evil some programs have jobs to do some programs become irrelevant Mm -hmm. and so they want to have a home and so i was like i love that sense of ai yes if it evolves it doesn't all have good and evil doesn't all have extermination in mind yeah i um i really appreciate that sense of symbiosis between the not symbiote symbiotes and humans. <laughs> yeah. And and even like, yeah, we don't we don't need like a giant blast wall anymore. We we have different defenses to our new city. Mm. Um I love the the use of those I'm just gonna go call them Kamoya beads. I'm like what kind of which, which <laughs> the, beads? the 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 beads that um allow Morpheus to to have a physical oh, presence in, yeah, in, in yeah. the world. I thought that yeah. was cool. I thought they really should have pushed into that concept more yeah. rather than having Transformer robots. <laughs> 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 I um, Yeah, that you're right. And I wanted more time in the real world. Yeah. Um, it was and when they enter the Matrix to have real, real stakes in the Matrix world mm. rather than have so many fast and loose rules. Yep. Um, yeah, just to keep the rules solid which is what was always so good about um the original yeah. trilogy like the the original trilogies had such a tight concept and when there were new parts involved like the back doors by the mm. key maker you know like those kinds of things were really held in effect or agent smith becomes a virus that yeah. makes sense and you see him start to take over the like but they had too many concepts that they're trying to break because were, i think a lot of it too was that new we want to make it look different while mm. still feeling the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that, that's when the tone is completely different. It's not even the same tone as the first movie or the trilogy for that matter. Mm. Um, it just, it just looked and feel and felt much more comfortable being in the real world than it does in the matrix or in this new version of the matrix. Mm. Um, and so there, there is some cool, scenes that do happen in the real world but um it, again it just it started to get into that point of exposition where they're reminding us of how bad the storytelling is here you know when he has a dialogue between him and niobe and niobe's talking about how um we we've kind of given up on this idea of having the one anymore and you know you're not supposed to be alive you're supposed to be dead um mm. which is true like when you, when you think about the third film and the way if the the third film ends, although not the greatest, like not the strongest ending to a franchise, but it had finality to it. Mm. Neo was dead. Trinity was dead. Like they died. 
the machines took the body and it's gone. Now Zion is saved and the world is saved. And now there's a separation between the mm-hmm. machines and and the humans, although there are still some humans that are still plugged in. But the whole yeah. point was that it was to save Zion. And yeah. they had finality to it. And so when you come into this movie, you're thinking, what the hell are you going to do with the Neo and Trinity character? They're already dead. But yeah. instead, they explain later on in the film that the machines are now they evolved. They can rewire humans <laughs> and bring them back from the dead. Re- like use organs and stuff to, to, to bring them back because they understand humans. I'm like... Oh no. No, no, no. Did you see no. did you see did you see though they did they did a whole Loki variant thing where when Neo and Trinity touched they created a new timeline, bro. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. They they literally created a new branch. <clears throat> oh man, I was like, no way, no way, this is so uh, angry. this is not good. This it. is not good storytelling. Um no. so I'm gonna drop sorry, I made my uh, my ranking out of um out of a hundred, and I've just dropped dropped something a couple of points. <laughs> <laughs> so we're you know we're all in this like real world thing, and then they go back to um, they're going back to the same kind of pieces of storytelling they did in the Matrix. What made the Matrix really successful was getting the viewers to understand what are the differences between the real world and the and the Matrix. And yep. they're doing the same thing in this part when he goes back into the real world and he's unplugged, and again they're trying to explain to him. Um, this is <laughs> this is the real one, and this is the Matrix. I'm like, okay, so now the now the fourth film is about doing the same thing that you did in the first one. In the first film, <laughs> yeah. like, are you kidding? It goes to the construct, which they're now calling the crib, and he's kind of like making a parody out of this whole thing. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing this? And he takes him to the kung fu dojo. Oh, sorry, the the yeah the martial yeah, arts yeah, dojo, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> and then they have this like rehash of the same thing that they did in the, the first exact one. same fight, but just not as good. But this time it's just like really bad, and it's such a bad like rip off of the first one. Morpheus is in his sexy kimono. <laughs> yeah, he's in this like drapey like curtain kimono now and i'm like what is this like and the whole the the way this this whole scene is lit like the the grading the color grading choices here and the cinematography is awful it's bad to look at i'm like what is what am i looking at right now (laughs) like you just want you wanted those classic like oh man like think back to the original morpheus slow motion Crane's pose about to like knee, knee yeah. Neo like and the beautiful panning scope and it's like they tried to do that but it's like Lana or whoever was in control like in control like would see one snapshot of each scene like yep that's good cool I think the they don't DOP actually watch any of the rest had most of the control here like this, yeah. this is what I'm thinking my theory is that the DOP had way more uh, room to make his own choices instead yeah. of Lana because I think Lana just checked out right I think Lana was just end, really yeah. there to say okay I think you should do this and I think you should do this and you think you should do this and the rest of the crew members can figure it out for themselves because and go from there because like you know what we're seeing in terms of camera work and camera direction in this it's not the same film as oh, the Matrix not. and the trilogy like everything just looks so cheap and the editing is just bad like very very bad in editing. I- I just I and again this comes back to that that it's, this was in Marvel but like this comes back to a a very recent um, not recent phenomenon something that's happened since the two thousands where you've brought something back you've 
heard from the fans and you've created or recreated something that everyone apparently wanted, but you did it so poorly mm. that they'll never do it again now, thanks to this. Uh, and this could have been like, you know, like it, it would have, you know, it would have been nice if it had some of the energy of what Jurassic World was, which wasn't a perfect film, mm. <laughs> but it, it had the right energy, had some good charisma, it know how to bench people in the right way while still making good callbacks to people. Mm-hmm. Like following Jurassic World, like oh, is it Jurassic? Yeah, Jurassic World. Yeah. The next the next installments weren't great, but there there was something which re inspired people. And mm-hmm. you know what you also need to do in films like this? You need to create a new fan base. You need to be like creating these films for the people that are in the seats now. For the kids that weren't well, I was what? <laughs> I was <Yeah>. eight <laughs> when the original came out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to recreate that excitement for kids growing up now. Um, don't just make things for the long-term fans because you're going to offend everyone and you're going to displease anyone that cares and mm. no one else will watch it, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And so they, you know, they, they take him through that whole same thing that is kind of the middle part of the first Matrix film and they do the same thing here in Matrix 4. And mm. and then we see Bugs uh, have the same, not the same, but similar dialogue that Trinity had with Neo when he was unplugged, um, where they're sitting in the, the bedroom or something and they're talking about what had happened and um, um, how, am I, how am I doing at the moment in the real world and what's happened to Trinity. So there's all this kind of stuff that they just take from the first film and put it into this. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm unsure on why they're going to, they're doing, they, they're taking us through this length of <laughs> re-explaining the first film and the fourth one. And they've already forgotten about the whole meta storytelling in the first part. Yep. Um, yeah, they've dropped it. They're now just talking about answering questions. Answering questions. <laughs> of the questions that, that they don't have. really know how to answer themselves. And they're yeah. probably trying to get the audience to try and answer the questions for them. Yep. Um, and then they go through the same introductions with the crew. Like, this is this is Dozer. This is Tank. But blah, I can't blah, remember blah, any blah. of these names, by the I way. I can't remember any of them. So I'm just going to remember stick, the old names. Like except for Shepard. And tank, I was like, Cypher. who's Shepard? <laughs> Yeah, um, Shepard. <laughs> when Shepard, he, he rocks up for a bit and he has, says his thing and then he leaves and he, I think he's there in the final battle. I was like, why Why did we get introduced to this character? Couldn't they have used one of the other characters on the ship? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, actually, I remember the operator's name is Zeke. Yeah, or, or I like they, Zeke. They call him Zeke, but his name is something else. I can't remember what he says. Square? Or something like that? Square, I, um, yeah. I really... I what's was the point like, in that, though? Like, What's the point in having... I don't know. Maybe that was his... <laughs> Because remember, they all had hacker names. Like all of right. the original guys, they were all hackers, and so they kept their like their online names. It was like I'd unnecessary be, be dialogue to, in my mind. Though it's like you're just wasting screen time by saying, yeah. "Oh, but they call me Zeke." Okay, I like that. Right. I liked um, how they he had a physical avatar in um, in the Matrix. I was like, "That's right. cool." Yeah, that's that, that's, like, a, that's a cool development that's a nice for the Matrix. Energy. I was like, "Yeah," like and. That, that would make the people that are in the Matrix feel safe that they've got someone on the outside that they can physically yeah. see and talk to. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it's a cool piece of development cool. for the technology. Yeah. But, um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they go through the, these like series of introductions the same way that they do in the first one. And yeah. then they're trying to figure out like a plan now. Oh, actually, they don't even... Okay, so at this point, they don't have a plan. And, no, and, no, and, no. And, and this is when the movie tells us that, well, we don't have a plan for this movie. But now let's just get near to figure out what the plan is. And the plan is going to be like, hey, I need to get Trinity out of the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Why? Oh, because... Just, just because just I cause. want to save her because I love her, I guess. Um, yeah. And even though I thought that we died in the previous one, but now we're alive, so now I need to go save Trinity. And not just we died, she definitely died. She definitely but died. I and was still alive for a decent while. How did they find her body and like make sure she... Oh, anyways. I don't know. <laughs> like they, 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 show us, they show us the scene of, of the robots getting Trinity again, and I'm like, where did you get Trinity from? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, like the machines were way away from where Trinity was. But I, I would have loved more of a like um, Blade Runner 2049 bringing back Rachel. Like, I I would uh, have been way more there for that. You know what would have been awesome if Trinity was dead and they put her into the Matrix to freak him out. But she is definitely dead, and she isn't actually coming back, and she's mm. not the new, new, the one. I did. I was thinking, oh yeah, like Trinity's like means three, and Neo's one, like. Christian theology and like three and one and obviously they're both the same powers and abilities and you need both of them to program but they didn't say that outright and mm. anyways yeah there's this character here <laughs> called um uh actually what's his name can't remember his name but he's like the neologist neologist so a, per- oh, pers- yeah, yeah. a person who is like an expert I'm a big in, fanboy yeah a person <laughs> who's an Anderson. expert in neo um like they they sound like interesting <laughs> characters. Like I I think if there was if they developed this guy who's the neologist, he he probably could have um, developed the idea of meta storytelling that they introduced in the beginning. He probably could have been a pivotal character to try and develop that whole script. But yet they tell us that he's neologist, and that's that's all. We don't get anything out of him after that, <laughs> apart from him being a little bit cynical when they're in the Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> like, okay, okay, what's, what's the point? Um, you, we meet Sabibi as well. Do you remember Sabibi? Sabibi, <laughs> Sabibi is, the, is the now, like, the converted machine that saved Neo from the pod. The name of... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sabibi. And, it, and do they, do they do a little <laughs> head touch. <laughs> they do a little head touch thing. And I'm like, what, are the machines, like, puppies now or some shit? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I know they try and explain like how there's there's a bit of a um there's I don't know like th- there are some machines now that they have managed to convert to being good machines now or something mm-hmm. and cooperating with the people the mm-hmm. human beings I, I they kind of glossed over that and I was like okay but that I mean that could have been a, a really cool story if you if you showed us <laughs> rather than telling if you showed us like how what happened between the machines and the human beings in those 60 years in order for us to believe that now one of them has turned into like the household puppy um to rescue <laughs> Neo <laughs> no surely they're sentient as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, yeah uh, let's just make them sentient too they, yeah that's all good they have emotions now all good oh man and then and so Neo asks, like, Sabibi, hey, when you rescued me, there was another pod. Um, yeah. Can we go revisit that pod or something? And then this is when there's a new story that takes that takes over that meta storytelling, which is the story about saving Trinity. Yeah. Because at this point, you're like, okay, well, now that you got Neo out of the Matrix, cool, what next? What should we do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's, <laughs> what's next on the agenda? What's the next on the agenda? And then and, it becomes uh, the rescue mission. And with, and like... Can we talk about the villains? Villain. Oh, there was a villain in this? <laughs> which was... Yeah. Oh, my what God. did you... It's the worst like, reveal ever, man. I was like... Yeah, oh, I was like, oh wow. Here's the bad guy. Um, 
I'm like for NPH as the analyst being in many ways the um, what you, successor to the architect. <laughs> Just I, I figured he ugh. was going to be the villain from the beginning. Like yeah. as soon as we, he gets so announced as the analyst, a program in the Matrix who's talking to Neo about what he thinks and feels. It's like this guy probably has some form of control over yeah. me. Yeah, you know? like when he's called the analyst, like I, I sort of. Almost, I immediately thought, okay, this guy's probably the architect that mm. doesn't exist anymore, but now is the new architect. And sure enough, he is the architect. Mm. Um, but the the architect in the previous films wasn't a villain per mm. se. He was just a program that was trying to just keep this world called the Matrix together. And he's mm. gone through multiple iterations of it. But now he is the antagonist because we find out that Smith is no longer the antagonist. Mm. <laughs> He's some random dude this, that's a barista. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just changes into... Oh, man. I was like, what? What? Like, Only oh, the but, agents do that. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to uh, talk about Agent Smith towards the end because it is towards the end. But um, Yeah, that is like... yeah. But then he's a good guy at the end. end. Uh, oh, I was like so confused. I'm like, what the I, hell is I, the I point kind of I kind of zoned out during Smith? their fight. So once they, were, once they were doing their recreation of the subway fight... And that 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 fight just started to get a bit samey, and like, oh, now he'll hit him, now he'll hit him, now he'll have like a little power up moment, and vice versa. Oh my God, then I can't it's... remember how he actually beats him in the end. Well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that back. scene later when we like sort of flip through. We're just going to sort of pace through a bit faster in the next few scenes here because you know um, we we definitely have a lot to say in that whole last <laughs> sequence, especially those shitty fight sequences. But um, they go through the real world, and and now we're in this place called Ion, and there's a whole bunch of exposition as to why it's Ion now and how this yeah. was Ion, and Niobe's yeah. like the the new. Um, Chancellor or whatever, like what was the previous guy's name? Um, that was like the can't remember. There was like the oh. priest or something. There was the old white guy, and the then there was guy. the um, the commander the who commander. I thought they'd made that guy had reprised his role. No, had come back as Trinity's husband. <laughs> I was like, that guy looks like the commander from the thing, but I don't think he is. But he looks a lot like him. <laughs> true, true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, so now, like those two figures, like whatever that priest, that white guy priest was in the tr- trilogy, and the commander is now all in one person, which is Niobe. Niobe, yeah. And Niobe's like the leader of this new uh, oasis or this new human oasis. Now and she's become bureau- bureaucratic instead of cool. She's become super like bureaucratic, and and the, the only thing that I do appreciate here is that there is some level of consistency from her previous character which is the fact yeah. that she never believed in Neo being the one mm. even though when Neo does save the world at the end um, she does become a believer I suppose but she mm. was never really a person that believed in the prophecy but didn't believe in what Morpheus was talking about um, and it's also that weird relationship that she has with Morpheus it's kind of the kind of a thing, but kind of not a yeah, thing. Yeah, or there used to be a thing, and then oh, there she used to be a thing. moved on to be dating the the commander. current commander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then but or then vice I, versa. No, no, it might have been the other way around. She used to date the commander, and yeah, then broke up, and now Morpheus yeah, and her that, thing. <laughs> yeah, and I thought they were going to yes. try and do something with that, but then it yeah. didn't really happen because <laughs> so. he he be, he became the leader of the um of the new Zion after yeah. the oh man. Anyway. <laughs> 
anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's so, hard because it's like I really love I I was and this is what I did like about I don't know, I was like I love fleshing out more of the law. I love the world. I think it's a really mm. cool place and it's and cool I'm happy place. to create this and, and allow this to be more of the canon, but just the way that they execute that, that's just so disappointing. <laughs> it's so disappointing. And they start to introduce all these different things or these different uh, motivations and intentions for Niobe. Like she's mm. she's less about saving humans now and she cares more about like recreating strawberries and like this farm. And I, and it's funny how um, Bugs, the Bugs character, when she's confronted with... Um, uh, she's confronted by Naobi saying that you, you're not in a position to make your own choices. You're not in a position to go out and fight this war, whatever it is, even though there's mm. no kind of war going on. Um, and then she says, well, like you've lost your way. Like bugs responds to her by saying you've lost your way and you don't care about human beings anymore. You just care about growing strawberries. And I'm, and I'm sort of thinking Dude, I think this whole thing just like, cares more about, throwing us shitty ideas about recreating plants and <laughs> and strawberries in this fictional uh, real-world scenario yeah. type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they're using the symbiotes, even though we're not that all called symbiotes, but they're using the half programs, or sorry, the programs that can go in between the worlds um, to help them recreate or establish like a new world in Ion. <laughs> I can't remember the name of this robot, but... Um, it's that robot that comes in and out. Like, it's like, who cares? Like, I don't even care about any of this. Like, there's a bunch of botanists that we see here. There's one botanist in particular that is, like, I guess the main botanist of creating all these plants and stuff. Um, but I'm confused. Like, how are they able to do this on one hand? And, and second, like, like is if you don't have organic material to work with in this real world, right? Yeah. Does that mean the strawberries and the plants are programs as well. I, I, I feel like they've probably done something similar where it's like, um, they, you know how they used to be near the earth, like closer to the core where it's warm. Mm. I feel like they've done some digging and found some new plant life. Cause I think there was a bit where they were like, aside from, um, creating things, it looked like they were growing things like growing little seedlings and all that kind right. of stuff. And then maybe they must be getting enough organic. <laughs> so, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm like, assuming think, they're getting enough organic it. matter that they can build. <laughs> if you're thinking more, like if you think too much about this, it completely falls apart. Because, because I mean, I'm not a botanist, but I know that like freaking plants need sun. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's because I think they mentioned that about the the, the new fake sky that they've created. That's right. Does give you enough like. But then again, it's like a fake sky, and it's yeah. They don't explain how the fake sky is even a fake sky. I was like, oh, it's beautiful. But and and when he said like (laughs) they quickly show it, and then it's like he's like, oh wow, and he's like, yeah, 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 it's beautiful, isn't it? Blah blah blah. Like it um, isn't it such a beautiful picturesque landscape? But they never go back to a picture of it. So I was like. I think it was. Can you show me it again? Like (laughs) it's such quick glimpses. eh? They don't don't ever establish. They don't ever actually show us an establishing shot to see the sky, like the new sky or whatever it is. Oh my god! I'm just like this is just falling to pieces, man. This is completely falling to pieces. Um, So they go there, and there's just like more and more dialogue that's just like that just means nothing at all. Like the dialogue has nothing to do with moving the story forward in this whole real world scenario. Um, But I'm, I'm aesthetically, I'm appreciating the real world far more yeah. than the matrix so i'm kind of like okay i'm okay being here even though the dialogue is kind of shit and like yeah. it's not moving the story forward at all um they only get to moments where they're ready to go 
to be plugged back into the matrix and they're like okay we need to go on this rescue mission now mm. and <clears throat> i think this is also the moment where they where bugs explains we don't need phones anymore um to which it's, it's like another little nitpick from me i'm like why don't you need phones anymore you haven't even told us why you don't need phones anymore yeah we don't need phones anymore okay cool well what ways do you now enter in and out of the matrix if someone that. pulls a plug Will you die? Like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> no explanation whatsoever. No explanation. They, they go through so None many things to, ex- to explain yeah. a whole bunch of shit that doesn't mean anything for the story, but don't explain <laughs> the things that they should be explaining. <laughs> and for the amount of dialogue in this film, there is so little dialogue from Keanu, and there's no space for him oh, to... Dude, yeah. So, expositional dialogue versus actual conversation... His few conversational points were great. Like I loved when he was in the cafe scene with Jude, and then he gets really embarrassed talking to to Trinity as Tiffany. And that's right. Like, I thought that was a great Tiffany. little scene, and I was like, I need more of that. Like, and oh yeah, yeah, and and like oh, yeah, maybe it should be a, maybe it should be a writer. I, uh, <laughs> you should be a writer. You should be, let's let's like start off with doing our own little short films or something. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, so yeah, they, they go back into the matrix. They jacked in. We don't understand. We don't understand what the rules are anymore. And they have this like conflict between um, <clears throat> him and Agent Smith. Who I guess he is Agent Smith, but um, he's a different version or a variant of Agent Smith. And they have they exchange this dialogue between Neo and and Agent Smith. And he talks about how we used to have this bond or like. Um, Somehow this is an altered code, but it's an update or an upgrade, and it's getting even more and more convoluted here. Um, and then Agent Smith says something like, oh, you're bored as well. Um, but now, like, you're bored and you're a different version, but I'm a more, I'm a upgrade now, but, and you made me an upgrade because this is where, like, the meta thing also falls apart, is because he's trying mm. to say to Neo that you created me, mm. but like even down to the details of blue eyes, but the blue eyes is a little bit too much. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is such disgusting story. Uh, like scripting. It's, just it's, bad, it's so bad terrible. writing. It's like, I'm sick. Oh, I, I like that actor. I think he's, he's a good he's actor. Great actor. And he's very convincing as whatever he's trying to do here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. He's just like, given I'm, really bad arc. The poor guy. And he, yeah. Like even I was like, you shmami bastard like at the beginning when he was like in the boardroom and like neo just looks like that exhausted video game designer and he looks like that like the guy in marketing like he looks like the ceo type who's like completely exploiting and taking advantage of him like Mm. and again that's where i was like it would have been like really cool writing if it was hugo weaving or you know if this guy had to be him just to make them really pal around like and I just don't feel like you had. They didn't. They didn't have good chemistry. They both. No. I think. I think the guy that played Smith did a was a great actor mm. and did did what he could with the role. But yeah. I think those two needed more chemistry to make that more believable. Yeah. And I thought Neil Patrick Harris, NPH is a great actor too. Like he's a great actor. He, yeah. He's great at what he does. Um, like my favorite thing is in his Lemony Snicket. Um, he's, he's the new Count Olaf in the. Um, Netflix series of unfortunate events, and he's oh, just—he's right. just a very funny dude. He, um, yeah, it's just—it's just, it's just it's not just the right. Yeah, and and a lot of it's a tone. Like this film is just no idea what it wants with its tone. So no, has no idea yeah. where it wants to go. So this whole scene, like the whole dialogue thing, doesn't actually make any sense. But by the time we get to the end of it, because we we get revealed that Agent Smith is 
is like he he's he's uh friends i guess like he's he's connected with neo and and now he's he's also trapped in the matrix but we don't know that he's trapped in the matrix the same way that i you know i guess he was trapped in the matrix in the first one because that's why he wanted Mm. to be free but now Mm. he is free Mm. but because he's a part of neo he's trapped again in the matrix and so when they have this whole fight sequence like from the conflict to the fight sequence that they have that's similar to the subway one in the first one Mm. all of that fight scene meant nothing because, yeah, it was because by the time he gets to the end, he just ends up like intervening oh, between him and the analyst, who's yeah. the real antagonist to the film. And then he's like, um, me and Nia are, are one and the same or something. And yeah. he just saves him. And like he dissipates like the whole conflict between Analyst and Neo. And then he just turns into the barista. And that's the uh, last yeah. time we see this Agent Smith. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell was the point in Agent Smith being in this? just ludicrous i couldn't believe it like i everything is so laughable at this moment yeah and the movie and then to get to that like neo's like okay cool bye like he he doesn't have any (laughs) emotional connection he's like oh cool yeah it's like (laughs) oh by the way that fight scene like you know i I don't i don't take that to heart the fight that we just had before it's like he just kind of let it happen cool i'm like what are the are all these people in the same room or something or are they filming this separately like what is going on <laughs> oh and then the whole thing kind of like envelops to just the shitty action set piece at the end and we get the major reveal that um the analyst is actually the antagonist for this whole thing and he create he recreated another version of the matrix by bringing neo and trinity back and by the way, they don't actually explain why they wanted to bring Neo and Trinity back. Do they ever explain that? Oh, I think I think the thing was they needed Neo, so they entered him into the source in the third movie. Yeah, but they found him to be volatile. Like what they needed from the one was to have this anomaly. Sorry, no, this is me just going off one, two, and three, not off this movie. <laughs> they needed. <laughs> They needed the one to be the anomaly, which yeah. makes the Matrix work. Yeah. You can't have humanity operating in a purely me- like robot-run system. Yeah, because there needs to be anomaly. equilibrium in the Matrix, right? That's why Smith is there as well, because he creates right, yeah. the other side. And yet, this anomaly, for whatever reason, Neo, doesn't work unless... And they, I, so that's why I think they made a few different versions of the Matrix following out of Matrix 3, till mm-hmm. they got to this point where they're like oh my gosh, this isn't working. What if we bring back his love interest? Because they must have remembered that when the architect gave him that decision, he chose to save Trinity. Like, he's had this whole situation of needing Trinity to function and Mm. Trinity needing him as well for him to be the one. Like, in the first movie, she's like, you can't die because you're the one because I'd Mm. fall in love with the one. So I think that's what they're getting at is that she also is connected like um uh they they've got a symbiotic relationship yeah. where they can't run the matrix without him and he can't function without her mm. uh, that's i think that was that was sweet and then she has her um moment on the rooftop where she suddenly sees and understands in the same way that he used to be able yeah. to and then they well, she flies. Talk about bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I guess that's this whole scene with um, NPH explaining everything, right? Right at the, up yeah. until this point. And yeah. n- 
this whole exposition that he does, where he explains every their whole reasons why they bring him back, and that, now I'm sort of remembering now. Um, I, I think I just checked out from this whole dialogue because I was just so bored at this point, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> now you're explaining to us why you brought Trinity and Neo back. But the thing that they don't really ever explain or like give us a good grounding as to why they bring him back, mm. um, because 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 their reasons kind of fall apart with the fact that you don't have Smith in here anymore either. Yeah, because yeah. Smith is supposed to be the other, the counterbalance to Neo being the anomaly. He was the, the antagonist, the, the virus that spread. And the virus, they, yeah. The source needed him. The source needed Neo because they couldn't reinstall the Matrix because Agent Smith was in the way. Like, yeah. And they needed him to be the one to defeat him. Like, yeah. Mm, and yeah. and so, like, <laughs> I think just the reason just doesn't really work for me. And, yeah. this, and so the fact that we get the, uh, Trinity tapping into her being the one and she's figuring out the same kind of thing that Neo had to figure out as well. Mm. of him becoming the one it just wasn't earned man by the time she's like she doesn't even know how to read code in this but but when she has this like realization when she gets unplugged and goes back into it all of a sudden everything is okay and now she can fly but yet yeah. neo can't do any of that yeah he's just <laughs> in, in, but then he can at the end but then he can at the end i'm like what, it out <laughs> what do you mean? how did you just figure it out <laughs> like what what kind of time had passed between like them well, Trinity getting unplugged and then them reuniting in the real world and then coming mm. back into the Matrix and then taking mm. out NPH and saying that now we're in control of the Matrix. Like, and I don't know how much take time out his is jaw and Reinstall it and cut his throat and reinstall it. That yeah. was, I was like, can you do that now? Cool. Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> um, just don't, yeah, I don't get it. Could I ask as well, so I didn't stay for the stinger at the end, but I hear there was one. What was there it? was one. I didn't stay for it. I literally... Oh, you like, didn't? Left. I, <laughs> I, I guess we'll find, I we'll find out, out later. The theater at that point. Um, oh, but I, so I, died. I did see... I did see a little bit of the stinger, and I think it's just them talking about how we can make more Matrix movies. Oh. Uh, it's, it's, it's the think group, you know, that sits around and making oh, ideas. Oh, the think tank. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're just talking about how they can make new films and how it can lead to more sequels. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is so so damn bad. And like, it's just anyway. Like, the whole thing just fell apart. I yeah. just I, I cannot believe that they gave us this piece of shit of a fourth <laughs> movie. And you know, it, it was starting off on the bad foot. The fact that they wanted to bring back a, a trilogy that already had finality to it. Yeah, like if it's got finality, don't bring it back. And if yeah. you're gonna bring it back, honestly, just reboot it. Like, like we've we've already had twenty years pass, right? I would have yeah. been way more happy if they just reboot the, the first one. Yeah, right. And now we've got updated effects, and we've got now we've got mm. a better technology. We've got better mm-hmm. like use of action choreography. We have some good writers. We have some writers, really clever like, writing. Like, you could have literally music. taken the first film, remade it. Right, yep. and give us a better potentially give us a better film than the 1999 one. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a better film, whatever you tried, at least at least you mm-hmm. got the intention of trying to like recreate the first Matrix. But we still mm-hmm. have the original. That's no. Pro- I never have problems with reboots. I never have problems with sequels because we always still have the original. Right. Yeah. So yep, I would have been happy with them to just do a reboot, but yet they make a parody about how production studios always do reboots. <laughs> But I'm like, okay, you make a parody of it and you just made a shit show out of it. It's the wrong franchise to do this with. Do this <laughs> yeah. do this with something else. Do, like, do this in Marvel. It'd go down well in Marvel. 
And they kind they kind of do in one division, like you know, like yeah. that's Breaking fine. The like, and stuff. Yeah. I, or even in <laughs> even in Thor Ragnarok when they redo Dark World as a quick shitty play with Matt Damon. Oh yeah. That's all you need. That's all yeah. you need from like um, to acknowledge mistakes or to acknowledge things that you wanted to fix or mm. to say this is different to what that is. Yeah. But um. Or, or do Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. You want to fix a movie or something that you had issues with? Bring those characters back and write them well. Like, yeah, that's, exactly. that's it. You just, I think it's doing justice to people, doing justice to those actors and to the characters that they've been portraying or mm. known for portraying for years, um, rather than create something mediocre. And you, I think that's it. You're not allowed to make a mediocre Matrix movie. You can make a mediocre Pirates of the Caribbean, but you can't make a mediocre matrix movie and get away with it yeah um yeah it's absolutely terrible way eh? and, <laughs> and i think um, a, good, a good way to wrap this is yep. I'm, just, I'm just gonna read um this from a friend of mine who put this in his facebook status um yeah, his facebook status was, was his whole review about the matrix resurrections and i love the last part that he says he says the best part of the film was the old actors dodging the bullet that was the steaming pile of Calpat. Oh, and Carrie <laughs> and Carrie, Carrie Ann Moss has aged charmingly. She's still gorgeous. Bottom line, a film shouldn't have to be logically explained to justify its value. Its value should be felt without, at first, knowing exactly why we value it. Again, those having to reach for the lowest hanging fruits just justify why it is good, why... It is good is exactly why this film for many people is not is anything but mm. we didn't get a story we got a message people will be taking uh, talking about the matrix for a very long time not this one this one will fizzle out so <laughs> and the last thing he says is so which pill will let me forget this movie exists <laughs> uh, that's a friend of mine um uh, who's a dancer? He's he's a very intelligent dude, and he's always got really good perspectives on film. I should get him on the podcast sometime. Yeah, um, I uh, I guess all all things considered, now that we've gotten this lovely podcast out of our way, we don't have to talk about this movie. Again. We don't have to talk about this movie again. Um, I do, I would like to revisit the Matrix every now and then by watching it all the time and watching it with like minded people like yourself, good friends who. Who have a very good eye for good filmmaking, watching The Matrix and all these other great films that have established good cinema culture and good cinema um, writing, I suppose, uh, good cinema creation. It's it's fun to always sit down and and watch it together and bounce ideas back and forth. What you think worked, what we, we what you think didn't work, mm-hmm. and always sort of counter it. You know, it's, it was always nice to hear, I guess, healthy disagreements on certain films. Of course, I think it's it's the whole, you know, joy of this. This is entertainment. I think of Russell Crowe saying, "Are you not entertained?" <laughs> and, and and that's what I'm always thinking is <clears throat> is is that that what um, these creators and these studios is that what their goal is? Mm. It was just to make money because if that's the case, like um, that's that's the trajectory uh, that film will continue to head towards. So yeah, I yeah. think so. It's good, yeah. guys. Good times. And Good times, uh, man. If you if you want a better Matrix cast, listen to River's other cast of the original Matrix. Exactly. Logic. We'll bring this back for some better taste in our mouth. 
Um, that brings us to the end of this very long cast, and I'm sorry if you're a person that really loves this movie. I'm I don't know what to tell you. You know, like you have the freedom to have your own opinion on films. That's the beauty of watching movies and discussing it. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, we should bring this to an end. Thanks again to Nathan. Thank you Thanks, for bro. jumping on. Thanks for having us. Happy New Year, everyone. I'll be Happy safe this holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays to everybody. And make sure you're safe out there and not do anything that is uh, too egregious to harming anybody around you. I don't even know why I said that. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, where can, they, where can they find you, Nathan? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at NPSammy. I'm actually taking a little hiatus till the New Year, though. Uh, but you can still find me on there. Uh, click and follow. So no more like Instagram stories for a while. Just just till just till the new year. It's nice to switch off for a bit. This is my holiday cast today. So yeah, that's fair. That's what fair. about you, River? You can find me River underscore Vili V I L I. That is at Instagram and at Legit Cool Podcast. Also on Instagram as well. You can find me on Facebook, which is Legit Cool Movie Reviews and sometimes TV series. Um, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Yo! Yo! Bye! Yeah, bye!